Can we put this in the intro? I want people to contact me and let me know what they think my bad habit should be. <laughs> <laughs> Don't wait for users to report problems. Raygun gives you complete visibility on errors, crashes, and performance problems affecting your end users. You can replicate issues in seconds rather than digging through log files and having to rely on users to report errors or crashes. Raygun gives you a window into how users are really experiencing your software applications. It has full support for JavaScript and all other major languages and platforms. It takes less than 10 minutes to set up and you can get a free 14-day trial by going to raygun.com and signing up today. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the JavaScript Jabber Show. This week on our panel, we have Corey House. Hello from cloudy Kansas City. Amy Knight. Hello from Nashville. Joe Eames. Hello from sunny Salt Lake City. We need, you need some alliteration for Nashville, Amy. <laughs> um, honky-tonk Nashville? I don't know. <laughs> That's not alliteration. Liter- you know, it starts with the same letter, like naughty Nashville. Oh. There you go. <laughs> What? Hello for Naughty um, Nashville. Um, how about Joe is nice. watching you? I know. Uh, I nice don't Nashville. know about nice and neat. And <laughs> I don't know. I'll think of something better for next and week. Gnarly. You just taught me a new word. I didn't know that. Yeah. I'm Charles Maxwood from DevChat.tv, and this week we have a special guest, and that is Scott Wyatt. Scott, do you want to say hi? Hey, how's it going? You want to give us a brief introduction, let us know who you are, what you do? Yeah, so um, I'm from Indianapolis, Indiana, the uh, crossroads of America, if you will. I am the CTO at CaliStyle Technologies. Um, I'm a node developer as well as a graphic designer. Um, I got my start by uh, coding when I was eight years old. My dad's a computer programmer, so it kind of runs in the family. And his dad was a computer programmer, which is even more interesting, I guess, now that a couple generations have passed. and uh, I'm here today to talk about trails. Awesome. Yeah, I was talking to Mike Hostetler, and he was telling me all the stuff that he was doing with trails. And so I, I was like, well, you should just come on JavaScript Jabber and talk about it. So we got it all lined up, and then he couldn't make it. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> he's like, Scott would do a great job. So. Well, that's a lot of pressure. Yeah, there we go. Uh, do you, do you want to give us kind of the two-minute elevator pitch on trails? Just let people know what it is if they're not familiar. Yeah, absolutely. So it's a Node.js framework, um, and framework's actually kind of a strong word. It's extremely lightweight. Um, it uses the tuple space to make it really extensible. Um, it's really, really easy to develop on. You can get up and go hold in a on, couple hold seconds. Hold on, hold on. Yeah. You said it uses a what space to make it what? The what? Yeah, yes, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry. Um, yeah. tuple space. I yeah, was just acting like I knew what he was talking about. <laughs> We're all nodding our everybody on the podcast nodding their head. Oh yeah, Tuple Space, uh huh, totally got it. I know exactly what that is. <laughs> yeah, I should have totally done the uh, the five thousand uh, foot elevation uh, <laughs> example. Okay, yeah, so it's a uh, it's it's basically just it's a single object tree essentially, and we just uh, we use key values to assign like all the objects to it, and you modify those, and it makes it really easy to extend. Um, that's basically the concept behind it. So it's like a big key value store. It's built into the, it's built into the, it's a framework, right? Yeah. Built in the framework, a big, huge key value. Like, are you familiar with Redux? Is it, I mean, are we getting into the woods here? You're, you're no, like trying to yeah. get this intro. No, we're like, we're like digging into those woods. Like, I want to talk for 30 I'm, minutes though. 
that's where my mind went when I heard that. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, so we're really hoping to like make that eventually available to actually have Redux in Trails, but um, we're not quite there yet. It's a little bit different than that still. Um, we have an so immutable state. put a pin in this and come back to it after you give the rest yeah. of your intro? Sure. Or should we dig into this right now? He's just going to use some I, I'd like to hear the rest of the intro. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll yeah. make a list of terms we don't know, and then we'll go through each one of them. So, so before we go into the intro, let me throw out what I thought this was. When I looked at it, I thought, okay, this looks like an implementation of Ruby on Rails and JavaScript. Am I totally crazy here? No, no yeah. So that's actually uh, it's really pretty close. So we like we kind of built on the pedigree of Rails. Um, Yay, and- Rails! Yeah, and so there's a <laughs> there's a predecessor called SalesJS, which is pretty popular in the Node.js community. Um, a lot of the original maintainers of that application kind of left after some kind of interesting uh, debate with inside the community, and uh, they formed Trails. And the Trails is actually uh, a play on the name of Travis Webb, who was the creator of Trails. Oh my! Yeah, good. It was like. His name was like Nathan to be nails, right? I guess so. <laughs> Actually, I like that name. That's a, that's a new one. It's a good thing his name wasn't Frank. <laughs> no, newbie on nails. Anyway. <laughs> oh, Joe. <laughs> that's my best. That's my only contribution for this episode. That's it. I'm out. <laughs> Sorry. Let's let's continue on with something serious now. <laughs> Right. So, uh, first of all, I'm I'm kind of wondering if, so so is it MVC like Rails then? Um, it very much can be. So, but out of the box, when you use the generator to put it all together, it just starts out with MVC. So you have your module, your modules, view controllers. Um, you kind of just plug into those. But Trails is so flexible that you can just rip all that out if you don't want it. Oh, interesting. Because with Ru- with Ruby on Rails, this is something I'm very familiar with. Um, you can't rip it out. It it's kind of built in and baked in. So, right. So, um, I, I'm kind of wondering because you mentioned the tuple space, um, and you know, we we kind of have an idea. Okay, this is a framework. It kind of gives you MVC. You can start building stuff with it. Um, and then you mentioned. Let, let's go back to the tuple space for a minute. Is this an implementation detail that people need to understand, or is it something that's kind of just adds convenience and power under the covers and you don't really need to completely deeply know what it is. Oh yeah, absolutely. You don't need to understand it at all. Um, it's, it's definitely under the hood. Um, if you do want to extend at the core, it's good to know because, uh, the way you extend it, but you don't have to, in fact, we have a really cool way of doing this called trail packs that, um, just have a small life cycle. You plug into those life cycles and it takes care of everything for you. So you don't have to know the tuple space whatsoever. Gotcha. But that said, so so I'm still confused. I think some of the rest of us are too. What what is a tuple space then? And is there a specific Im- implementation you're using? Um, we're not using actually any particular tuple space. In fact, it's kind of just a convenience word. Um, it's essentially like what we're doing here is just using. We have a key and then we have a value. And um, so, for instance, if you if you know from, oh, I'm trying to think of a good Grails example. Um, but essentially, like. Uh, if you, in your MVC framework, you have your modules, views, controllers. Well, each one of those is a namespace, and then that namespace is, is related to what it includes, right? Mm-hmm. So that's essentially how we're using it. Okay. 
So you're kind of mapping the name to an object or an, uh, a prototype or something that is what uh, sort of the, the data and behavior that's behind whatever it is. Exactly. Exactly. That's make that, that kind of makes sense to me. You know, a lot of other languages do this with some kind of memory management or something. And it sounds like you've just got a data structure behind it that kind of does all of that work for you so that it's it's easy to find for the framework and you don't have to do any funky loading or anything like that to find out what's there and, and how it works. Exactly. So I think I understand it, but I want to make sure that everybody else is kind of there with us before we move on to something else because I'm sure somebody is listening to and going, okay, I still don't get it. Well, I want to make sure I understand is this solely oriented toward server-side rendering? Um, so actually, that's a, that's a really great question. Um, in fact, the view state is actually kind of a, a secondary. Most people end up using Trails as a, a microservice. Um, a lot of people do use it as applications. Even the, the Trails website is built on Trails. So just to kind of show its flexibility. Um, did I answer you that question? Sorry. Well, so it sounds like what you're saying is this is more oriented toward creating APIs than it is toward doing any kind of server-side rendering of something like HTML. Yeah, exactly. So um, the server rendering is something that we'll, what we call trail packs. So trail packs are anything that extends the trails functionality. And so rendering like a view state off the server or server-side rendering, that would be a trail pack. So um, trails itself is extraordinarily small, and you could probably read through the entire code base in like two or three hours. After that, it's all about extending functionality with trail packs. And even when you run the generator, the first thing we do is we install some basic trail packs based on your specs. Um, that could be anything from Happy to Express for a web server. Uh, it could be an EGS template render. It could be Angular 2, uh, or sorry, Angular 4 or, or React. Um, it really doesn't, it doesn't really care because it's so extendable. But also, yeah, it does have that, that focus on REST APIs or um, version 3, which we're hoping to release here in a couple of weeks. We'll have a huge focus on GraphQL um, and model resolvers. So that there's a lot of stuff that Trails can do, which is why I kind of wanted to say that the word framework is um, almost too much of a word. It's really, uh, it's more like blueprints or the, the concrete foundation that you start building your framework on top of. Mm. Okay, so who would you say are the the closest projects in the Node ecosystem that, that are similar to your model. I, I see a little bit of Express in what you described here um, in, in that there's there's a big ecosystem around it, much like you have one, but I don't think that's the most close project. W what would you compare to? That's a great question. So obviously there's a, the predecessor is Sales, um, yeah. which was a true MVC framework. Um, and Basically, you want to get back to like really core generic concepts and make it extremely extendable, use um, like modern ES6, ES7 type stuff. Um, we didn't want to have one monolithic creator who controlled the entire ecosystem. We just wanted this really community-driven project. Um, so as far as like what out, out there is like it, um, it's really tough to say because it's so base level. Um, and, and in a lot of ways, Express is base level too as a web server, but this is just other... JavaScript that runs and then can run your web server or your or whatever <laughs> or your your ORM or your that kind of list goes on. One thing that I see a lot though is that a lot of frameworks or framework systems they they tend to either lend themselves to a sort of system for building apps in it 
on the front end, I'm thinking like Angular, for example. There, there's kind of an Angular way of building things right. And then um, on the other end, you've got things, and, and it feels like uh, this is more along the lines of like React, right? Where you have React, and then there are all these other things that you stick on it in order to get all the functionality you want. And for a lot of people, that makes it really hard for them to get in and really know what, they, what they're doing and how they want to do it with React until they've kind of adopted a stack and understand all the pieces that go on it. And then it's like, oh, yeah, this now does everything I want, and it's awesome. So how do you avoid that problem with Trails? You know, like, actually, so I'm really glad you brought that up because that's, like, one of my least favorite things about React is that just getting that whole dev pipeline set up is a nightmare, and there's, like, 30 different flavors and all these different ways of doing it. Um, luckily, like, Trails is really, really small. And, uh, like, as soon as, you, as soon as you see that, like, that file folder um, format, you're like, wow, this is really, really familiar to any Node application I've built before. Um, everything works just like a common more like a common module, um, like with your like, you know index.js. You're exporting this package or importing that package. It's all like it just all feels really really familiar. Um, and I think that's one thing that's different about React is that it's so it's such a different concept for somebody who's coming from like a front end background versus like Trails doesn't really necessarily have that problem because. Um, we're not dealing with these like gigantic corporation projects like Angular or um, React or like uh, Meteor or Firebase. Like this is just a very very simple structure that allows you to start extending on top of it. Like, and I get your point though because React is actually like this really simple like mm -hmm. state. You're just you're just extending the state and so on. Like uh, in a lot of ways, like when you view React like that. In a lot of ways, it's really close to trails. You're, you're essentially doing the same thing. There's a few methodologies to get on top of, but um, if you've been doing a lot of MVC and Node, or uh, you're coming from a Grails background, like yeah, you're gonna be you're gonna feel really comfortable as soon as you like open it and start seeing it. And if you haven't come from any of the ELs backgrounds, oh man, that's a good question. So actually, like uh, a little bit about like uh, kind of going back into my introduction, I guess um, I actually started off as a uh, graphic designer. Um, I even have my degree in design and I wasn't like ever, ever going to be a programmer just because like my parent, like my dad was, my grandfather was, I didn't think that was for me. So, um, but one thing led to another, if I wanted to get to my goal, which is like creating graphic design that was expressive and, and like thought provoking, I knew I needed to like to learn like how to build this technology to do that. So, oh yeah, go ahead, please. Yeah, so I kind of had a question, like we're comparing it to like Rails and Ruby and stuff, but with how many different like generators there are and seed projects and stuff like that, why would I want to go with Trails over just using something like that? Yeah, so that's actually a great question. Um, and I have a really good written down answer for that. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do that. You want to know for real. Yeah, no, okay, that, that makes sense. Um, like... Yeah, there's a ton of generators and a ton of seed projects out there. But the thing is, like, if you looked at like something like Meteor um, and or our sales, you do a generator, you get the seed project up and going, and it's got a thousand features you don't need. Um, and if you're doing something like a microservice um, or just a little API handler for something, like, there's a thousand things you don't need installed in that. And, like, tearing them out causes massive problems. Yeah, that's definitely true. But, like... So, I mean, with Rails, though, there's so many, like, I feel like you get a lot of the same stuff. Like, you get a lot of just junk that you don't necessarily need. 
like if you're running generators and stuff like that. Yeah. Like you're, you're a hundred percent right. Um, like, so, so this would be different. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly how it's different is that we, we aren't giving you too much and that's like, we're giving you the, 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 like I said, the blueprint or the found like the foundation level of like going from there. Uh, we do follow some certain conventions, but for the most part, it's very, very, it's very, very open, very, very free. You can modify literally everything. So would you say that that's a strong point? Like if, um, I don't know if I'm already familiar with one like trails application, I could go onboard myself onto another more easily. Cause I think that is one plus to, um, like rails, uh, where you have that, but in node, you know, you, if you're using like express or something like that, you can kind of structure things a little bit, however you want. So it makes onboarding for different projects a little more difficult. Yeah, that's a benefit of it being highly opinionated, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, yeah, that's actually like, so if the cool thing too is like, I'll probably hit, hit on this point a lot, which is these trail packs. So like we've given you this, like this, this foundation level. And then for right from there, if you like, if you want to have Express just ready to go, like and be super opinionated, opinionated about how Express works, just trail pack and like install trail pack Express or trail pack happy if you prefer that, or, um, Oh, you know, I'm going to use Mongo in this database, but I also need to have, um, you know, Postgres on this database. Like I can install multiple ORMs and just go. So like, if you want the opinions, they're definitely there. And like creating opinionated trail pack is really, really easy to do. Um, but like trails itself is, is trying to be pretty ambiguous about that space. So could I then, you know, and I've seen this in react as well, um, where people create a stack, right? And it's kind of mm -hmm. a named stack that has an opinion that, you know, does a specific thing for a specific group of people. And so when they go and they run their install, it's like, okay, I'm just going to go grab all the dependencies and I'm good to go. Um, so, so do have people set that kind of a thing up on top of trails? So it's trails and, you know, whatever else. Yeah, actually I've done that. I've done that myself. Um, like I, I, I loved how unopinionated trails was and I love the trail pack system and how it works, but I wanted like a far more opinionated like uh, ecosystem that I could build stuff on. So I created a whole thing on top of trails called proxy engine, which is like exactly what you're talking about there. So uh, kind of, I guess kind of circling back to that whole foundational level um, system. So if I want to create a stack, I can do that. Um, people are creating stacks in Docker now, which is really, really cool. Um, like the use cases are really like really unlimited for a framework. I think that's what makes Trails truly unique. So I have another question. Um, sure. You know, one thing that was great about Rails is you have an ORM that makes things a little bit easier. So is there something like that for Trails? Right. Yeah. So um, definitely, like ORMs are gonna be one of those things that pretty much every like Node developer is working with these days, or unless they're writing raw queries. And let's face it, like no one wants to write raw queries in JavaScript. No. <laughs> um, yeah. So actually, uh, Trails supports a variety of ORMs. Um, we have everything from Connects, Bookshelf, uh, SQLize. Uh, somebody made one for JS Data. Uh, it's just like uh, you can these trail packs. Essentially, you can just boot up whatever ORM you want, and you can even use different uh, different stores or different uh, ORM procedures for depending on your model set too. Like so. If I do have a model that relies on like Mongo and I have another one that relies on like SQL, um, I can have those working in the same app without it, without it, without a hitch, really. Now, one other thing that I've really liked about a lot of these uh, 
backend, you know, frameworks is that they have a lot of security features built in, right? They, they kind of do the right thing in a lot of cases so that I don't have to think about SQL injection as much or things like that. I guess that's more on the ORM, but uh, yeah. I think you kind of get my, I, the idea with the examples, right? They, uh, they look for authentication tokens on forms and things like that to prevent uh, cross-site scripting and, and stuff like that. Is, is that built into trails or do I have to pull in a trail pack for that? So, yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, in our efforts to not be opinionated, it would be very difficult to build something like, you know, a, a, something that's going to avoid a DDoS or a course attack or um, SQL in- injection. And so you're right, we would we put a lot of burden on that on the ORM or on uh, what we call policies to kind of sanitize information as it's coming in. And how the developer wants to handle that, they know what's best for them. And a lot of times uh, other frameworks will kind of give you some best practices on security, but they're either one, like two, too strict or too loose, or they just open you up to all kinds of security holes because you thought the framework was already handling that. Um, so in our case, we're, we're pretty upfront about like you're providing your own security um, and you're doing like you're doing the bulk of the work to, to secure your own data. And that's what that's personally what I prefer, because there's times where I want to use a, a header token or an auth token or JWT or mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, and I think it's really cool that like we can just have a trail pack that does a lot of that um, or I can, you know, write it in on like close to the metal, so to speak. So if I decide, you know what, this sounds interesting, I want to get started. Um, let's say I have some app in mind. I'm going to build uh, a Twitter clone that is going to replace Twitter eventually, right? Because um, Twitter right. has issues. Um, so how do I get started? Awesome. So we actually have, like, you can find us on GitHub, of course. Um, you can also go to trailsjs.io. Um, right there on the homepage, there's this huge block of uh, code just tells you exactly how to install. It's as simple install as installing Yo, um, opening up a new directory, installing Trails. It, it's all right there, and uh, you can just type in npm start or node server.js, and it'll just get you going. Um, as soon as, like, if, especially this is actually a really cool point, and you said like a Twitter clone. So like something that's really really neat about Twitter is its scalability, right? And as a as a developer starting to build this app, you you're probably starting to think about scalability. And like Trails is actually really, really good at this. And like I said, I was talk, talking earlier about being so good at microservices, like being easy to set up as a microservice. That's a very common um, development technique these days. Um, but also like uh, Trails can work. It launches itself in these different environment configs. So I can set up a horizontal or vertical scaling structure extremely easily. And I don't have to be like, Looking at Kubernetes from day one, I can think about that stuff later. Very cool. Sorry, I'm like trying to hold back my enthusiasm a little bit because like <laughs> I, I love this uh, I love this framework. It's it's so easy. Like I said, like to get started, just just boot it up, or you can just read through the source code. It's um, I mean, if you're a little bit more technical, then like the source code, you'll instantly start like recognizing like oh, this is this is pretty cool. Like uh, I actually got a lot better at writing JavaScript by reading the source that uh, Travis wrote. And um, the quickest way to learn trails is actually to create your own trail pack. And there's a few people out there who've created some documentation on how to do that, little videos to do that. Um, Travis is really, really good about um, creating videos at different uh, different talks. So a little shout out to Norfolk JS um, in their in their talking um, their meetups. 
but building your first trail pack like after you're done with that it just trails all starts making sense and then you're like oh what else can i build a trail a trail pack for and before you know it you have a whole bunch of legos in front of you and like building your twitter clone like starts like um it isn't you know when you're developing a, a project you're really excited at the beginning and then like midway through you're just like oh this is a drag and then towards the end you're like any second now if i don't finish this project i'm gonna put a bullet through my head <laughs> and the cool thing about like uh being so modular and splitting everything apart like this is i don't have that feeling anymore <laughs> and that's that's just that's amazing for me I saw Corey nodding during your what, what you were saying. <laughs> He's preaching the truth. We've all been there. <laughs> yep. Do you run your own freelance business? Or maybe you're thinking about picking up some business on the side. Well, then you need FreshBooks. FreshBooks is the quickest and easiest way to get invoices out to your clients. It's easy to use. It works anywhere available from any device uh, on the desktop, iPhone, iPad, Android, and all of your data is backed up and secure. And it makes it really easy to get organized and get paid. You'll be tracking time, logging expenses, and invoicing your clients in no time. You can also save time billing, freeing up several days per month to focus on the work that you love, and you get paid faster. FreshBooks customers are paid on average five days faster because there's a link on the invoice that says pay me now. And it's a great way to grow your business. Plus, FreshBooks is offering a 30-day trial. That's right, 30-day trial if you try them out. So go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Once again, for a 30-day trial, go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. There's a there's a really good line like uh, actually on our website too, and it says like there there are plenty plenty of frameworks that are already available to help you to do easy and unimportant things very quickly, um, and that like you see that in every single framework they they want to get you to that hello world really really quick or to like a really fast REST API, and you see that in like Meteor and Sales and they're disproportionately focusing on reducing the development time needed to set up a new app. So you can see something happen, but um, they didn't really consider the true long-term cost of a, a framework like that. Um, so with Trails, because it does take a little time to get it going, like your your long-term costs are totally reduced. So um, you got a lot of ob obviously enthusiasm and love, et cetera, for this. Yeah. I was curious, like, what other frameworks have you had experience with? That for you, at least, you have a fairly direct comparison and feel like, as you know, especially on potentially bigger projects, right? Mm -hmm. You could say, oh, you know, this has gone for me a lot better than a similar project did this or did this or did this. Yeah. So, I mean, like, uh, like as far as Node, the only other really framework I've used has been sales. And I played around with a few other different ones before I just was grossed out. Everybody's yawning. I'm getting waited too much in the week. But, <laughs> That's not you. Uh, I think it's the time. It's that. Yeah. Uh, I feel you. Um, but yeah, I, I played with, you know, Larval, Sinatra, um, Ruby on Rails, you know, like, uh, yeah, pretty much everything there. And um, this, this kind of like, uh, Trail is really cool too. It has a really awesome community. We're all in Gitter. There's not a ton of us yet. Like we're growing. We're a little past a thousand stars on GitHub. Um but somebody asked us a question like, why, why trails? Like, why not this or why not that? And uh, 
the simple answer to that was if there was something better, we'd be using it. Like all of us are not like, uh, don't like, what's that saying? Don't be afraid to kill your darlings. And, um, again, with that really small architecture concept, like, I'm just like, uh, you're not afraid to replace it with something new or better. And I think that that's something that as developers are always learning all the time. There's so many new things coming out all the time. Um, this is a really cool, something so small like this, you don't even have to worry about it like once you deploy it. Mm-hmm. So how do you test this? How, you know, I get it going and I want to make sure that it's working, especially as it gets more complex. Do you just pull in something like Jasmine or... Is it more complicated than that? Do you have hooks for that kind of thing? Yeah, actually, so real real simple. Anytime that you use one of the generators to generate a trail pack or um, a model or anything like that on trails, it'll automatically create a test for you, just a, a basic Mocha spec, so to speak. Mm. Um, and that just automatically gets included in a test directory. And so you can start adding your test really quickly, just run NPM test, and you're ready to go. Um, and, of course, like uh, a lot of our docs are set up to test in happy. Um, just as an example, but testing in any web server is really, really simple or doing integration testing is really, really simple. Um, and it just keeps that in that format for you just uh, so you get that best practice. But, so is it production ready? Yeah, it's absolutely production ready. In fact, we're using it in like uh, we've got three production apps currently from my company alone. Um, obviously, the Trails website itself is built on on Trails. Um, it's being used in parts of IBM's Watson. Um, it's been used in a lot of different places. So without dropping too many names, uh, a lot of people have adopted it and a lot of large comp- corporations have started adopting it um, to fill that kind of uh, small microservice gap. Gotcha. You, you keep bringing up microservices. I'm wondering, you know, how, how far can it scale then? Yeah. So creating a Trails app is, is tiny. There's pretty much nothing to it. So creating a, a small container that runs as microservice and you can scale it vertically or horizontally or however you want to do it, that, that becomes really, really simple. Like setting this up in a, a Docker swarm where you have multiple node apps all running together and multiple services running all together. That's, that's pretty much infinite at this point in time because it has this kind of this easy way, like this object oriented way. Of, wow. That's a bad word way of saying it. I hate object oriented. I just <laughs> using that. <word>. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, because of this, because of this, uh, this object tree, essentially um, you can create a single one of these uh, trails apps and set up all of your model schema and it, all of your controllers and services and all those different things, and then just literally deploy it with different um, environment configs. And that's really, really, really cool for microservice integration testing, which is something traditionally really hard to do. So if I just load different configs, I can create a ton of different microservices all in the same repository, load them different environment configs, and just deploy them out. And when I use my, like, circle... Uh, my continuous integration method or continuous deployment, it just uh, makes it really, really simple. Anything else that we should be uh, looking into or asking about? Yeah. Um, so I know I've talked a ton about trail simplicity and how easy it is. Um, another cool thing is, uh, I don't know if we have any TypeScript fans here. Yes. Oh, okay, cool. So we've actually got, I got a Trails app completely written in TypeScript. Like, so if, if that's, something that you're more interested in writing in TypeScript, you know, like you know, having a strict, you know, strict typing. Um, Trails is already pretty much ready to go for that. Um, we're getting ready to release an app types library for it um, just to make it a little bit simpler to get going on. Um, so if you are doing something like an Angular application, which 
like let's face it, it's pretty much you're writing in TypeScript these days. Like uh, this is a really really easy like uh, way to just drop in something that's more than just that Express server they give you in all those seed libraries. Um, we've got a production app running currently with uh, Angular Universal and uh, Trails all written in TypeScript in, in production, which is really fun. Um, that originally though, that was like pulling teeth because, uh, Angular Universal was in like pretty much beta release and it was, uh, Angular 2 and the API was constantly changing. But, um, our like trails took it like a champ with that. That was actually really fun. So, uh, you mentioned that, uh, when we asked about, uh, production ready, you mentioned that your company's doing a couple of apps. There are other apps out there using trails. Um, I'm just curious, like what, what's the nature of those? apps and in particular what i guess i'm driving at is is there a particular type of app or problem that trails really shines in solving you know you mentioned microservices as well but can you give us kind of a more concrete example like um, this company is pulling in trails js to provide this kind of a solution to this kind of a problem yeah so um so one of yeah one of our our, our projects that's online right now in production um it uses Trails to deliver its front-end server rendered. Um, it uses Trails to actually generate um, reports for their customers. Um, it uses a whole bunch of different microservices to create special PLB8 adapters for Postgres and using PostGIS and all these other crazy things. Um, and we've got even another client who's using this as an e-commerce solution. Um, you know, it's, a, it's a really hard to say, like, hey, what is Trails best at? Because it, it's so good about just expanding what direction you want to go. And I think that when I first started with Node.js and um, the first tutorial I ever did was probably, like in, in like most Node.js developers, was probably an express tutorial, right? To, to boot it up onto port 3000 and get that hello world to come out in the terminal or something like that. I think that little piece right there was what really opened my eyes to the idea of Express and Node.js as a viable solution. And I think that I had that same feeling when I started building with Trails because I was like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll put my front end framework on it. Oh, I'll put my report analysis adapters on it. Oh, I'll put my microservices on it. Um, I'll, I'll build an e-commerce trail pack, which has been really interesting. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really good at doing, uh, it's really good about not getting in the way, would be a good way of saying it. Uh, hopefully it wasn't too dense. Um, I know it's it's like uh, talking about trails is talking about like Seinfeld, right? It's a show about nothing, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you should so. have started the show with that. That's a great quote. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, you can put that in the you can put that in the front. Yeah, it's it's kind of hard to talk about something that's this small, but it, it has such huge implications. Um, definitely, more information be found on on the on the site. Of course, like feel free to hop over onto the Gitter channel that we have. Um, everybody there is super friendly. Uh, Trails is international. We have developers from all over the world who are working on it, which is it, which is always really cool. Uh, we take contributions in um, from sponsored companies, essentially that that donate to keeping Trails hosted, like its website hosted, and um, and putting money for towards bounties. So we have a very actively engaged and financially backed community. Um, and what's also really cool too is that uh, the level of organization that we needed to even pull this off. Um, was pretty minimal. Um, we just had a lot of great people who had experience in working with large open source projects before. And um, like that experience, like really, really paid off when we were 
we, we set up a brand new project and uh, the, the results have been incredible. And the, the community has been the most fun open source community I've been a part of. We're just at that set where we have mostly, uh, mostly geeks and nerds, so to speak, myself included, um, who are on the project. Uh, we don't have a lot of newcomers quite yet, like beginners yet. Um, but they definitely exist. And I think that it's really neat that the community is able to help them out and um, get their project started and get their their great their their Twitter clone idea off the ground, you know. Cool. Well, let's go ahead and do some picks. This episode is sponsored by Linode. Linode is offering listeners of this podcast a $20 credit, which is good for four free months at their lowest plan. Their plans start at one gigabyte of RAM for $5 a month. You can get your servers in any of their 10 data centers and their high memory plans start at 16 gigabytes. Get a server running in under a minute. They do hourly billing with a monthly cap on all plans and add-on services like backups, node balancers, long view, etc. VMs for full control, running Docker containers, encrypted disks, VPNs, etc. You can run a private Git server. They provide native SSD storage, 200 gigabit network, and Intel E5 processors. They have 24-7 friendly support, even on holidays, and a seven-day money-back guaranteed. So go check them out at linode.com slash javascriptjabber. Awesome. All right. So... Like, uh, I definitely, obviously, I pick trails. But uh, on top of that, um, I've got another open source project that I'm working on. Uh, it's called Proxy Engine. And it's a very opinionated framework that sits on top of trails. And so if you did want to get started with something like enterprise-grade e-commerce, um, there's a trail pack for that now. And, and that's all part of the Proxy Engine. So definitely going to pick that. Nice. Corey, what are your picks? Uh, I have two picks today. My first is a talk that I saw by uh, Michael Jackson that I really appreciated. If you're a React developer, I'd highly recommend it. It is Never Write Another Higher Order Component. This talk he gave at PhoenixJS recently uh, shows an alternative pattern called render props. Uh, definitely worth looking into. Um, another thing that I'll share is uh, something that I posted on Twitter, uh, also related to React. Um, it's a thread of tweets uh, that I started about why not to use React. I'm well known for being uh, a big fan of it, but I started this because I'm, I'm working on a course right now on the big picture of React, a short course for anybody who's trying to get into it, just trying to get a sense of the whole thing. But it's a really interesting thread because what I love about it was a lot of people that are otherwise big fans, and in fact, some people that are actually on the Facebook staff, like Dan Abramov, chimed in with really thoughtful reasons where the React has made trade-offs, and I think that's useful for everybody to think about the trade-offs that the framework or the library that they've selected has, and a good author of that library or framework should be able to convey well the trade-offs that they chose. So those are my two. Awesome. Amy, what are your picks? I have two as well. Uh, so the first one, I believe I may have seen this two weeks ago, um, but it's a post on Brad Frost's blog called Full Stack Developers. And um, being someone who was full stack and is now solely focused on front end, uh, well, mostly focused on front end, I can't say enough. I feel like specializing has really, really helped me. There's so much more to front end than I realized as a full stack developer. So I thought that this was a really, really, really good post. Um, and then the other one, I'm always picking different health things. And I know I picked CrossFit recently. So the other thing that I've been starting to do is uh, tracking my macros. 
So I'm going to pick that. There's a site, um, uh, if it fits my macros, and it's just I-I-F-Y-M, or if, if it fits your macros. So uh, if that's something that you want to do, it's basically like keeping track of how many carbs you're having, how much protein you're having, how much fat you're having, and making sure you have like a good um, portion there. With each meal, uh, I don't know. I think it's going well. So that's going to be my health pick, and that is it for me. Awesome. Uh, Joe, do you have some picks for us? Indeed, I do. So um, I think I'm going to just pick one thing because, right, I've been reading this book called The Behavior Gap. And it's been such an amazing book that I'm going to pick just that and nothing else. So here's the deal. It, I, it, it's just, the tagline is uh, how to stop doing bad things with your money or uh, something like that, right? And really, on its surface, the book is about how to make sure that you don't make bad choices with your investments, like, you know, retirement investments, and things like that. But what was amazing to me was it turned out that the book was really a whole lot about making really good life choices, about finding balance, um, about doing things that in the long run um, are good for you and you will make your life, I don't know, just happier. It's been more of a book about making good life choices than any book. I actually have read about making life choices. It's about uh, long-term investment, being smart with them. So it's been pretty interesting. Uh, I've really enjoyed it. I've been highly impressed with it. Highly recommend it. So there we go. There's my pick. Yeah, this looks like a great book, Joe. Thanks for sharing. Really, really just great. And again, don't look at it for just, hey, I'm interested in money or investment. That's only what it's about on its surface. Really, it's about making smart decisions in life, life choices. So, finding happiness. There you go. I mean, I've read a lot of books like that, and this has been really more about this and given me more information and better advice, I felt like, than most of the books that I've read, books that I've read about that topic. Cool. All right, I'm going to jump in with a few picks here. The first one is I have... Uh, Sorry, my brain went blank for a minute. Um, I've read. I've been reading this book. I read it a month or so ago, and I'm rereading it now, and I'm actually implementing um, what it says. It's called Profit First. So, you know, as as many of you know, I'm not just a host on the show, but um, I've kind of built a business around these shows, and you know, making it all work, and you know, I spend a lot of time pulling this stuff together, and so, you know, I found that I have to bring in some money for the time I put in. Um, anyway, so, uh, I, I've been reading this book about just, you know, making sure that your, your business is profitable and it's been really, really interesting as far as managing the, the income for the business. It also goes into personal finances and, uh, I, I like what he has to say there too. Um, anyway, it's, uh, Profit First by Mike Michalowicz and I'll put a link in the show notes. Um, one other pick I have, and this is just kind of to throw it out there because I'm excited. Um, on Sunday I got on the scale and I currently now weigh 226 pounds. Um, those of you who might've seen me at some of the conferences, when you saw me, I probably weighed closer to 255 pounds. So I've lost 30 pounds over the last few months. Um, and I feel a ton better and my diabetes is under control. And so anyway, I'm just kind of sharing a personal victory because I can, and I'm excited about it. But yeah, I've been doing the ketogenic diet. I think I've talked about it on this show, so I'm not going to go crazy about, uh, you know, picking stuff there. But um, it's just, 
it's just great. And the thing is, is, you know, just take care of yourself and, and, uh, you know, pay attention to this stuff because it's not worth, you know, dying five, 10 years earlier because, you know, you're not putting in the effort to get rid of that, you know, gut or whatever, you know, part of your body is bigger than it ought to be. So, uh, anyway, I, I, I'm just excited about it and, th and thought I would share, share. So anyway, I still want bad habits though. I still need a bad habit. So if anyone <laughs> has any recommendations, send them my way. Start biting your nails. I don't want to live forever. So I need bad habits. Um, I highly, I highly recommend ice cream before bed every night. There you go. <laughs> that, that's okay. therapy, not bad habits. <laughs> <laughs> don't, you, don't you judge me, Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Scott, if people want to follow up with you, what you're working on, see what you're doing on Twitter, Facebook, or GitHub, or any of that stuff, maybe you have a blog, where do they go? Uh, yeah, um, I don't have a blog, sadly, and I don't use much social media anymore, but definitely uh, GitHub. Uh, my name is just Scott-Wyatt on GitHub. Um, you can find me on NPM as well. So, All right. Well, we'll uh, let people go check those links out. We'll wrap this up, and we'll catch you all next week. Bye. See y'all. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.